I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When Sir Alex retired, it was me who pushed the button on the press release going live. Wow. So, yeah, which was a surreal, that was another surreal moment. It really was. It was, it was bittersweet. Hey, hey, how are you? And welcome back to Outside the Box. Now, this is the brand new podcast all about women in sport. It's Becky Ives back with you. And we're back with my next guest to hear stories, offer you help and advice if you're thinking of wanting to get into working in sport. She's going to be competing for the top spot in our leaderboard. So we're going to get involved with some games and just get a really good insight into her job within sport, which I think is a totally different angle to any other guest that we've had so far on this series so i'm super excited to get into this let's hear from her she actually works for one of the biggest football clubs in the entire world she is the senior content manager at manchester united football club Gemma thompson is here Gemma, yes hello hello and can i just add that i work for the biggest football club in the world not one of well, the biggest. You are absolutely... Do you know what? We're not going to sit on the fence here. You are correct. It is the biggest football club in the world. Are you proud of that fact? Is Absol- it still like, wow, I actually work for Manchester United? Yeah, it's ab- absolutely. It's the, It was my dream, really, from about 10 years old to be a sports journalist for, for United. And yeah, I'm very lucky that I've been able to sort of live that dream. But it's also, it's about showing that anything is possible. I didn't know anyone in football. I didn't know anyone in media. I just had a desire, a passion and a determination that I was going to find a way to be at United somehow. I'm extremely privileged and honoured to to work for the place I do. And not only that, you are incredibly good at your job. Like <laughs> I honestly, Gemma, you are phenomenal at what you do. So I can't wait to hear Thank you. <laughs> from you about it. Um, but normally, I mean, you're a content creator, so to speak, and you're the person that is normally creating the content. But how do you feel about now it's been flipped around and you are the content for this podcast it's weird (laughs) (laughs) do you feel it's the wrong side are you a bit like oh I feel like I'm I'm always meant to be I'm meant to be you asking the questions yeah I mean I I love what what you do I, I love to interview people I love to speak to people I find it fascinating to hear you know anybody's story no, no matter what what your role is at a football club or wherever you know it's a fascinating job I get to travel the world with the team I love and as my friends say to me when I'm having a bad day and I'm you know whatever and they're like Jamie you get paid to watch football matches so I'm like okay yeah. exactly <laughs> snaps you back out of it fairly quickly (laughs) doesn't it I know dream job status here but look senior content manager just give us a snapshot what exactly does that involve I initially started out simply as as a sports journalist for the club and then my role has has evolved over I've been there 17 years now Um, so sort of full-time um I went in there initially on work experience when I was 15 really my role now is I'm I'm the link between the media department for United and the press office so I organize working closely with our press office the access that we have to the first team players so when we're doing interviews when we're doing shoots with them 
you know you, you can have crazy weeks it's sometimes it's difficult when results aren't going well you know not or not all the players want to talk and we, we've, we've still got to do a job um, on that side of it and it is challenging but it's fantastic I work with a brilliant group of people I spend a couple of days a week at the training ground I've got a good relationship with the players I think that is a massive part of it I would say the big part of my role is is relationships even if it's a tricky situation in terms of there's loads of matches how, how are we going to fit in in interviews you know we find a way to do it we help each other out and then kind of the other side of my job is I still do bits and pieces of writing cover the matches as we would and then I look after whenever we get sort of famous fans um, coming to to the stadium or coming to see us on tour I look after that side of it I've got good relationships with a lot of our sort of well-known sort of famous fans from Game of Thrones and, you know, people like Rachel Riley. I saw um, Julia Roberts turned up on uh, a pre-season tour uh, when you were in LA a couple yeah, of years ago. that was incredible. She is the most lovely yeah. lady you could meet. Um, yeah, it was a real honour to have her. And she was absolutely buzzing. You know, she was... Mm. It, it's really interesting to see famous people really kind of nervous around footballers and players. We were like, oh my God, it's, it's Julia Roberts. There are so many parts to your job. Yeah, there are. And, you know, we're still involved. I'll, I'll be involved in when we sign players. I've been looking involved, to be involved in lots of big shoots we've done. We did a big one with James Corden, the Late Late Show on tour, which the the biggest shoot I've ever done. It nearly finished me off because it was so full on. I, don't think, <laughs> I think I slept for three days. Uh, but it was uh, it was fantastic. It really was. When Sir Alex retired, it was me who pushed the button on the press release going live. Wow. So, yeah, which was a surreal... That was another surreal moment. It really was. It was it was bittersweet because, you know, you were kind of excited. The adrenaline was, was running for being involved in, you know, one of the biggest stories ever in football. But I was absolutely devastated that he was leaving. Yeah, you know, of course. retiring. We've got a brilliant strategy at the club with the way we do signings when the players come in, the photo shoots we do. Um, got a really, really good team who do that, and that's that's always a real buzz as well. And you know, you're excited to to see a new player coming in. So, and you've just got to be yeah adaptable and just prepared to sort of lend yourself across any situation. Any situation, up, I presume, completely because no day is the same. And some days you walk into work and literally by the end of the day, you would not have expected what's happened in that day to have happened. Yeah, you can predict it. Ed. Yeah, def- definitely. And that's the best thing about it. Um, and, you know, on the days when we do have big news stories breaking or, you know, there's always such a micro- microscope on our club, it's it's exciting to, to be involved. And again, I go back to that word, you feel privileged to, to, to be there and, and very lucky. Yeah, so this is amazing, all the stuff that you're doing now that you've just touched on. But let's just go back to when you were young. You said it was your absolute dream to work at Manchester United I presume they were your team from when you were young were you a sporty person yourself yeah I knew I wanted to do something in sport no question what I would have loved to have done um I played my my three sports really was I played football tennis and golf I'd I'd love to have done tennis or golf professionally I, I got to a decent level I played for the county in Cheshire where I live and just anything with sport I, I was in all the you know played netball hockey everything at school yep. I love playing football I always used to make my grand play football like she used to drive drive, <laughs> drive a mad play in the house um but then I thought well if I'm not going to be you know be able to play it professionally I, I like I wanted to write about it I just I always loved sort of English and things and I just wanted to do something in sport and then we had some family friends who took me to my first match and 
God, I mean, you know, back yourself, when you first walk into Old Trafford, it blows your mind. Oh, Old Trafford was the first stadium I went to as a yeah. child. Yeah. And it was, it, I was overwhelmed. It yeah. blew me away. Yeah, literally. The atmosphere of a football ground is amazing. Definitely. And I still try to hold on to that every time I go inside the stadium. You know, and I'm in the stadium every day. I used to get the Manchester United magazine every month. And they had an interview with um, a journalist who used to work for The Sun, it was just a feature on what it's like to report on United and it just said, could you do better? And it was write a match report of your choice in 250 words. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a go at that. You so thought I, I can do better. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'm going to have a go at that. So, I can um, do this, yeah. So I wrote it. Um, my, my hero, and he always will be my hero, is Eric Cantona. The irony now is I'm actually become quite good friends with him and his family and his son. Very, very random. Come back to that. But I, I wrote it about my match report was when he came back from his from his ban um, after his Kung Fu kick. So when we played Liverpool. So, I, yeah, I wrote this handwritten, faxed it, faxed it in. Um, faxed it? Faxed wow. It. <laughs> um, we are back in the day faxing. Yeah, proper back in the day. Yeah, I sent it in and then I didn't hear anything. You know, there was nothing in the magazine for a few months about it. And I think by after, a few months later, my mum, who is a whiz on the phone, she'd I think she'd called up United and somehow managed to organise for me to go in, I think, for three days of work experience. I think this was October 96 it was. And um, I rang up the week before just to confirm it all. And I just said, oh, by the way, what, whatever happened with that match report competition? And they said, well, actually, you've won it. So I was like, oh, oh wow. God, amazing. So I went in the following week and I sort of had that under my belt a little bit and they gave me little bits of writing to do. And I was very lucky that I had the the three people that worked on it, Rachel, Emma and Adam. Adam, who I still work with now, he's the, the editor of moneynight.com. Um, they really took me under their wing, um, Emma particularly. And I, I've, I've never forgotten that because they... they they gave me confidence and I just loved every second of, of being at the stadium, like in the offices. And, and I'd, I'd always had a joke. There used to be two old men who, run, who ran the cliff, Harold and Frank. And I'd always said to them, one day I'm going to get into that building. I'd always talked to them at Stood at the Barriers. And, I was, and then I remember that day when I, I went down with Emma. I think we were getting some stuff signed for competitions and she was doing an interview. And I went along and I saw them and I was like, I told you I'd get in here one day. So how did you then manage to sort of say... Hey, look, I'm really good. Don't let go of me. How did you turn this into a job? I've just basically never left. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just stood outside the stadium every day saying, let me in. (laughs) Every weekend, whatever match United had played, I wrote a match report and I faxed it in on the Sunday night. And it just said, oh, I wrote this on the game. Um, If you want to use it in the magazine. And quite often they'd be like, oh, God, you know what? We, we haven't had, no one's written that report. Yeah, we'll, we'll use it. And they'd maybe shorten it down. I'd maybe written 300 words and they used 70 word snippet. And I was like, wow, it's, it's printed. It's in the magazine. It was amazing. And I just kept in touch with them. I think that's the one, the, the way I've always been brought up as well is that when people help you, when people are nice to you, you thank them, you keep in touch with them and you see what you can do for them as well. You know, and I was just, I was very grateful for the opportunity that the guys at the magazine gave me and I just said look you know I'm on half term next week or I'm on Christmas holidays could I come in for a couple of days and they were like yeah actually you could come and help us with this I, I, I don't think I didn't get paid or anything I think they paid my expenses in but I mean didn't care I was just I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to to be involved and-, and you do these things sometimes don't you just because you love it and you want to ah, be involved and so- you know if you don't somebody else will Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just, I felt like I was learning so much and 
I just loved meeting all the people at METV around Old Trafford. Um, and I was really lucky, actually. They probably gave me things that they shouldn't have given me to do. I was producing shows, I think, after about three weeks. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'd never worked in TV in my life. But um, oh, I you talk about career progression. Well, it was one of those. I think if you've got a common sense and you know your subject, um, I was also very lucky that I'd got a contact. This was the thing. Every time I met someone in entertainment or football, I kept in touch with them. Um, even if there was nothing really to say, I'd send them a little email or give them a quick call. And a guy I knew had started working for a national sports newspaper called Sport First. Um, so it was around sort of towards the late 90s, um, early 2000s. And he said to me, look, we, we want someone to cover, you know, the football up north. I was like, uh, yeah, the, I, the, I'm your person. And basically, I, I was whilst I was at university, I was freelancing for them. I was getting to go to Sir Alex's weekly press conference every week. I was I was eighteen. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, I was the only girl, always the only girl. I went in with the Sundays because it was a Sunday paper. You had all these established Sunday journalists who were a bit like, "Who's this coming in?" type thing. And mm. I was very aware of the fact that I was like, "Hi, I'm Gemma. I'm working for Sport First. Maybe you could let me know how all this works. I don't want to step on anyone's toes." And They've become like some of my really good friends because I think I didn't go bulldozing in. I've seen people come in and do this um, and, you know, good for them. You know, that's their way of doing stuff. I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to know how the proper way was to behave, how things worked. I think Sir Alex appreciated that as well. I'd ask a question every now and again. Um, I was really nervous, but excited. I was just buzzing to be, to be there. <laughs> You're and just hoping you don't offend anybody, don't you, with your first question when you yeah. ask? You're just like, oh no, please don't, please. But I can imagine 18 years old asking your first question to Sir Alex Ferguson, oh, being amazing. the only female in the room. The amount of strength of character, though, you must have to be able to handle that is immense did you were you aware like when you say you were aware that you were the only female in there how did you deal with that I've just felt privileged and I, I was buzzing mm. more than anything it did it didn't frighten me it didn't make me feel nervous or I was just I just thought I'm very lucky and don't don't miss your opportunity and it's funny because I think then working with Sir Alex for 10 years after that I'm I always always go back to what he said and a lot of the players will say this he always used to say before matches just go out there, express yourself and enjoy yourself. And I think that's what I always tended to do in my work as well. Just show, show what you can do. Just show, show, show you know your stuff, um, that you're passionate about United. Um, you're not there to cause any problems. You, you know, you, you're, ex, you, you're privileged to be there. You want to see your team do well. And you're interested in asking a question and hearing what, what the answer is. So, yeah, I was just, I think that's the way I've, I've always looked at it, that, um, just enjoy every every opportunity you get, um, and I never forget. Actually, I was I actually interviewed Sir Alex. My first ever one to one I did with him was October '99. The day before, we'd lost five nil at Chelsea. I was doing my questions that night, thinking, "Oh no, this is a nightmare." I never forget we had a power cut at my house as well, so my computer went off. Everything everything that could have gone wrong could go wrong. And I was interviewing him at eight o'clock the next morning in his office at the Cliff. I think I was awake about five a.m and um could not have been any nicer and I think he knew I think those kind of people know how to set people at ease and he didn't have to do that but but he did and he actually brought up the 5-0 defeat before I did oh, um, <laughs> the elephant in the room the he elephant. was like let's just get it out of the way um you, you you deal with everybody in the way you deal with the player you deal with the manager you speak to the groundsman the same way you speak to the car park steward you, you all work together 
Um, United is. I feel been- like that's like a misconception about our roles within sport as well. That people think, oh no, like people don't want you to be there, and people, you know, you saying at eighteen you were the only female in the room, or oh, all the guys didn't want you to be there. I just don't think that's true at all. I no, think I everybody wants you. To, everyone is so welcoming. Yeah, wants more people in sport, whether you're male, female, black, white, whatever. Yeah, I think everybody wants to be more inclusive. And I just this misconception. I feel it's a huge misconception that people think it's a very closed, tight-knit community and it's very old school. And I just don't think it's like that. No, I agree. I think it's more open than ever, to be fair. And and mm. United are very good. They've got a brilliant, we have this all red, all equal um, diversity and equality campaign that we have at work. And I think United, uh, it's, it's a very important thing for them in terms of staff. I find when I go to away games, you're in press boxes and press lounges everybody's great you know the other journalists you have a bit of banter with them um and you have good conversations with them and and i i completely agree i i think there is this complete misconception yeah of course you you know you you get the odd scenario but i mean you get that in all in all work situations and i think generally people want to help you know each other and i think that's always the way i've been brought up and that's always been the mentality at united for sure um because we we're all pushing in the same direction and that's to see the club be successful on and off the pitch. Speaking of being successful, let's talk about some of the content that you've been involved in creating and making and planning um, because I'm sure that our finished product, what we see <laughs> when you put it out there, when you push the tweet button, when you push it onto the, you know, the apps and the YouTube channels and stuff like that, this has been months and months and months and months and months of work, planning, all sorts of things like this. So, uh, throughout this podcast, Gemma, we're playing a few games. How do you feel about games okay love a game i'm very competitive okay well here we go here we go well like people like phil neville have played this quiz so i know you're gonna want i know you've got to beat him otherwise you'll never hear the end of it Gemma. um right so this first one it's going to be worth five points and i'm going to play you a clip and it's about something that you've created and you've mentioned it actually once in this podcast a couple of times actually um I want you to talk around it, thoughts, feelings, emotions, and then we'll just talk about the clip in general. First of all, can you recognize what this was from? Go. 100 kids. Where do they get 100 kids from? <laughs> you know, they think 100 kids is unfair, but actually, if you weight-wise, it's actually only 40 adults. <laughs> which still is unfair. Guys, this is Manchester United. This is the only time in the world you show them any respect. From this moment on, it's do or die. Lele show, let's get ready. Let's go, here we go. If Man United is Goliath in this Brilliant. matchup, then yeah. what was that, Gemma? So that was when we did a link up on tour, uh, 2018, I think it was, with James Corden and the Late Late Show, with Jose, three players, James, and 100 children. Um, I mean, this has got chaos written all oh, over this. It's literally, it's, it's, it's by far the biggest shoot I, I've ever been involved in. Well, I've ever organised, to be fair, and that I probably ever will be involved in. It was absolutely unbelievably stressful, but incredibly brilliant and rewarding. How does something like that come about? Because, I mean, is it simply a case of 
James Corden's people <laughs> pick up the phone and speak to Manchester United's people and say, we want this to happen. Like, because you've got two powerhouses there with probably the busiest schedules out of anybody in the entire world. And yet it sort of falls on <laughs> your shoulders to make it come quite together. Often quite a few of these shoots, it's me sat in my lounge one night thinking, I've got an idea, let's do this. And then create the biggest <laughs> stressful situation ever. I'd been on holiday, actually. I'd been on holiday to LA. I go to America and I go to LA a lot on holiday. One of my friends was good friends with James and we'd gone to the show, see the show filmed. And I, we saw James after and I said, oh, we've got to try and do something. When we're next on tour, you should come to a game. You know, just a bit of a throwaway comment. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be cool. I think they'd maybe done something with Arsenal. He's obviously a big West Ham fan. It's okay. Somebody has to, Gemma. Somebody has um, to be. I think we tried to do something that summer, actually, because I, I was there in the April and we did. And we were on tour in, in America, in LA in 2017. Couldn't get the dates to match up. So I went back to them at the start of 2018 and said, it was literally me and one of the researchers having a conversation on email. And he said, oh, I'm going to speak to the team here. And they came back with this idea that they'd seen in Japan about uh, footballers playing against 100 children. And that he, he was like, what do you think? And I showed it to our press office and she was like, Gemma, are you for real? And I was like, why not? <laughs> we, can, we can make it happen. So, um, yeah, to say, I mean, God, there was so many logistics around that. There was because we were training at um, mm. UCLA. We had to get all permission. I mean, I learned so much from that shoot because I, I was involved in all the contracts for it. All this, you had to get clearance for drones for, from UCLA. There's all the insurance. The Late Late Show had a, a team of about maybe 80 crew who set up at four, four in oh, the morning. Wow. We literally had a time limit, I think, of about 25 minutes to, to use the training pitch because the team were training on it. Jose, obviously, Jose was looking forward to being involved, but also I'm thinking I don't want to mess up his training pitch when you know he's trying to prepare for the season. Mm. And then I think we were maybe getting on a flight to... I think we were flying to Salt Lake City or somewhere later that day. So it was just mental. And I, then I was worried about the players oversleeping because the, the players had to be up at sort of 8 a.m. They wouldn't oversleep, but, you know, and you just like, I just needed everything to run like clockwork. Yeah, you're on a time Massive. scale with this one. You're just like, this is not the day to have an extra piece of yeah. toast at breakfast, guys. Come on, let's exactly, let's get out the yeah. door here. And, and it's like, guys, you need to be on it as soon as you arrive at the training ground. But it was brilliant and it was... How did you pick which three United players were involved in that clip? That's a good question how we did it, actually. One I definitely wanted. I'm, one is a good friend of mine. One's always up for doing a cool shoot. And I think he was definitely keen. And then I, th I don't know how we did it, actually. I think we just thought they'd be three good players. Because you had Smalling and, Andy, and yeah, Herrera. Yeah, they three there. good players. Mm. Chris is a really good morning person because we were filming really early as well. One isn't. <laughs> we were looking at maybe getting the whole team involved. But the Late Late Show were like, it'll work better if there's only a few players. And there's all these millions of children. No, and it was just a great shoot. James was brilliant. Jose was on really good form that day. He was really funny. And everything, mm. everything went to plan. But it was a lot of pressure for me because the owners of the club um, were really excited about it. They were there, our chief exec, our executive vice chairman, like everyone was there. And I just wanted it to go well because I just knew it'd be, I knew it'd go viral. I knew it'd be the, this fantastic piece of content. And it, it was fun. Well, I think it's had like 7.5 million yeah. views yeah. to this day. Which when you think started with just you sat in your lounge having this idea going, I know much, what yeah, might it, work. It was. And um, it was a similar thing actually with uh, when Gary Oldman was up for an Oscar um, for playing Winston Churchill. Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, I know he's a big fan of Marcus Rashford. And then I had this thing of, 
Wouldn't it be good to get him a Rashford shirt and have him pose in the shirt with his Oscar? Went over to Gary's house, took the shirt over and said, well, hopefully we can get a photo and fingers crossed you win. And he won. And there's a famous photo knocking about of Gary Oldman holding his Oscar in a Rashford shirt. I feel like you have to deal in <laughs> epic things these so, days, Gemma. How many are in your team, actually, out of interest? How many do you work with in your team? There's about eight of us in terms of the editorial and website team. But if you class the whole media team, I think we're over 100. So it's it's a big operation. But I mean, it's it's as you'd expect, you know, we... Mm. We, sh- we, sh- we should be. We should be the best. I will say this. It always does help when the team are winning. Our job is massively, yes. as you can imagine with anything, you know, when things are going well, it's great. Mm. Um, so, but then at the same time, you know, when things haven't been going so well, everyone, you know, pulls together. Well, you've made some amazing content. So you've been working in the men's team for obviously the last like 20 yeah. odd years or so, but United now do which have a women's brilliant. team, which is, is brilliant. You did, I saw, a brilliant campaign. Yeah. Would you call it a campaign, a, a, a feature for International Women's Day? It was Casey Stoney involved in this and Maz. Yep. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Murray, yeah. your friend, and you did like this whole thing between Manchester United and Mamma Mia, which on the <laughs> outside sounds yeah. like, I'm sorry, talk me through this one. But yeah, just talk to me a little bit. How was that making some sort of content for it the was women's brilliant. game? Really, really good. The, the women's, Casey and the women's team, brilliant to deal with. Um, and again, another one of me sat in my lounge thinking about what we could your lounge, Gemma, is worth a lot of money. If you ever auctioned your house, you should, that should be a selling point of your house, ideas that were formed in this lounge. If I ever move house, definitely. I was just talking to Maz about how we could do a bit of a link-up between a massive organisation in terms of Mamma Mia, recognisable organisation like ours. Um, and now, you know, I was just thinking about it. She's the leading lady in the, in the West End show. You've got Casey, who's the leading lady of, of the women's team, if you like. And it was amazing, the crossover of, you know, they, these are the two women who have, are kind of leading their their squads, their casts. It, it's all about them putting on a show every night. You've got to be 100% at your best every night. You might be having a bad day, but people are coming to see you. It's like the, the women's team. You've got to be on it every match. You know, people are investing their time and their money into supporting you. Dealing with that whole thing of women, we are the best, as we know. Say it louder for <laughs> women people at the back. Um, you know, dealing with... <laughs> Particularly for Casey, you know, women's football, yeah, it's a man's world, if you like. But women's football, brilliantly, is so coming to the fore and will continue to come to the fore. It was just, yeah, the crossover was was unbelievable in how you want to create that team. And, you know, if you have one bad egg in there, it can upset the whole thing. And it's a bit like Maz was saying with a cast. 
you know, if you have one person who's not pulling in the same direction as you. And I just knew they would get on because they're two brilliant personalities, very passionate about what they do, um, very focused on what they do, very talented in what they do. I put it to Maz and said, what do you think? She was like, yeah, totally up for it. And then I, I sort of said to her, and we're going to get you playing football. And she was like, well, hang on. She was a bit like, all right. And then I was a bit like, you can't get injured, though, because can't have you not out the show. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a different aspect, <laughs> yeah, isn't that. it? I had that with the Late Late Show thing as well. I was like, children, no one tackle the players. No one touch the players. God, can you imagine if someone had just oh, taken yeah. out one matter and then There's always that out. to think about as well. Oh, um, There's always one kid, though, isn't there? One kid that just will want the absolutely. story of that I won't happening. even talk to you about how I felt when we took Victor Lindelof to play ice hockey. That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> Me and our press officer didn't breathe, I think, for the whole time he was on the ice. But, yeah, going back to, to Maz and Casey, yeah, and, you know, had a chat with mm. the, the group that look after the women's team, and they thought it was a really nice concept. It tied in brilliantly with the work we were going to do around International Women's Day and our, our All Red, All Equal campaign, like, it, you know, empowering women, basically. It's exciting. Do you think going forwards, because, you know, Manchester United women's team, it's only been in existence for like two seasons, I think it is now, but they've done phenomenally well in the Women's Super League. Do you think there will be more crossover content between the men yeah. and the women now at yeah, United definitely. going we, forward? We've, we've, done, we've done a few bits on that. We've done some filming with both. We want to do more of that. I think purely it's just been, it's trying to work the, the schedules. That's a lot of the issue with, because sometimes the men might have time to do stuff, but the women are training or they're, they're traveling because they've got a match. So yeah, I think we, we definitely want to do more of that. I think it, it works really, really well. It's fascinating to see both sides of it. And, you know, the men are very supportive of the women's team and with the women equally of, of the men. And Casey, Casey and Ollie, um, I know, you know, keep in touch and, um, have both got the like the same vision in terms of where they want their teams to go, you know, with the club. And it's good actually. Whenever we have our our staff Christmas parties or our staff meetings, Casey and Ollie will be there together, and we'll you know give a bit of a talk to the staff and um, have this united front which they have got. And I think it's great. I think women's football is just only going to continue to grow. And it, it was a really enjoyable shoot that we got to do with that. I think it can only strengthen. Manchester United as a whole now having two sides. I think any club, regardless of whether it be United or Chelsea or whoever, if you've got a women's and a men's yeah. team together, I feel like that's the way it should be. And I feel like it can only do positive yeah, things for completely. the club. Yeah, I think I, I think it's going to be great for going sure, forward for with sure. all that. Um, how much over the years, you've been, you know, 20 years at mm -hmm. this game now, how much has the way that you produce content, you make content about the club, the brands, the players, whatever, how much has that changed from when you Massively, first really, because, well, if you go back to when I first started, I was faxing stuff and, and writing it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I literally well. did. <laughs> I had a pager. I was Stop. that person. I only had it for about three months, and then I think my friends were like, Gemma, no. No, I was like, okay, yeah, get rid of it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's changed massively. And I think when I first started, I originally, it was just on the website. And then we then began to work on everything. So it was the website, the program and the magazine. And now, again, it's even more of everything. It's MeTV, it's the app, YouTube, um, all the digital platforms we've got, which are across the world as well. So and it's changed in the sense of, there was probably longer documentaries we used to do, and we still do, do documentaries, but the short form now, we all know that sometimes we've only got 30 seconds, haven't we, to, to watch a clip because we're, we're on the move somewhere. And, but yeah. that 30 seconds can be a really, really cool clip. 
but then on the on the flip side for me you know it's not all about writing and having it in print it's it's about creating something which comes alive you know in in a, in a video um so yeah it, it, it's changed a lot and and more than anything actually all of our interviews are filmed it never used to be like that we still have this debate actually sometimes with players that actually if you took the camera away they'd probably be a lot more relaxed you know if it's just your dictaphone there and you two having a conversation and you're probably going to get not a better interview but you might just get a few more nuggets than whereas as soon as the camera's switched on you're like right I'm in interview mode and nobody wants to offend well, or say anything wrong or cause any controversy. So, you know, I see it all the time. You ask a question hoping that they'll say something and then you're like, oh, okay, you know, he's going to yeah, play it safe. That's which, okay. That's okay. I understand. But especially over lockdown, though, have to say, I've been doing interviews yeah. over Zoom. Well, you and I yeah. are chatting on Zoom and right now. And it's amazing how different plays have been in lockdown over Zoom, a lot more relaxed, a yeah. lot more chilled, you know, and it, 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 I totally agree with you in terms of the camera comes on and everyone goes into this, oh, whereas when you're at Zoom, you're at home, you're yeah. just having a chat, you sort of just a Definitely. lot more relaxed. I think there are other factors. I think sometimes if you've got a good rapport with someone, I think that that obviously helps. Mm. I think if you're, a good, if you're good at what you do, if you're a good interviewer, I think you can always try and get a decent interview. But in answer to your original question, yeah, it has changed a lot, but I think it's good because I think it, it does need to always keep moving. If you just did the same thing over and over, then, you know, and I think you find with, I find this with different players, some players are better when you're doing like a walking and talking interview. Some are better sat in the studio just having a one-to-one. Some are better with someone else there if you've got a couple of people. I think you need to play to the strengths of the of the people that, that you're interviewing or that, you, that you're shooting with. That's what I've found a lot. There are some things where you're like, well, you're going to get five minutes with that player and you're like, well, there's no point trying to do that because you need to, you know, the subject you matter you want to get into, it's going to take you eight minutes to properly get into it. So you, you need to have quick fire stuff. Yeah. And you just need to be ready for anything, I think, and be able to react. That moves us on nicely oh, to God. our second game. And by the way, you got five points definitely for that James Corden thing. In fact, you know what? I'm going to give you a bonus point because you organized <laughs> the whole thing yeah. as well. It wasn't something Thank you, you. <laughs> participated in. So you you got a bonus point for that. So you're on Happy six points that. so far. Uh, but this next quiz is called the wrong answer oh, is heard, right. Yeah, this, I saw you, I listened to this the other week. This is really hard, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you know what's coming. You've got 45 seconds on the clock. We're going to get through as many as you can. <laughs> I need an incorrect answer okay. to get a point. Okay. Here we go. In three, two, one. Which ground do Manchester United play at? The Etihad. Uh, which sport does Serena Williams play? Golf. Which sport do athletes use equipment such as balance beams, parallel bars, rings and a pommel horse? Badminton. What shape is a traditional football pitch? Round. What what colour are the lines painted on a pitch? Yellow. Name a Premier League team. Uh, Rotherham United. (laughs) How many (laughs) players make up a starting lineup? Eight. What does VAR stand for? Vision, author, road. <laughs> what sport <laughs> What sport is played at the other Old Trafford in Manchester? Uh, golf. Yes. Okay, how many did we get there? I think we got nine. 
You're on for a good score here, Gemma, so far. You are on for a good, good score. It's difficult, though, that one, isn't it? It's really hard. That one, name a Premier League team. I literally, my friend's boyfriend's just signed for Rotherham United, so that literally just came into my head. <laughs> I know because you're thinking and you go no no that's a Premier League one that's Premier League one oh dear dear yeah good score well done see you are quick thinking you are good at adapting to these situations um let's move on talking about the opportunities for women now within sports within within the job role that you do I mean, how many women roughly are in your team that you work with sort of around the media center now? And have you seen that rise from when you were that 15-year-old girl that turned up to do the work experience to the woman you are today? Yeah, there's, I wouldn't say, there's not loads of us, I will mm-hmm. say that, yep. but there's there's a good amount of us. And I think, you know, it's not necessarily not not everyone wants to work in football. I think there is no, always of course that not. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and I, ironically, when I first went into the magazine, the, the women outnumbered the men. Really? Um, yeah, because it was the t- it was the, the three guys who did the magazine in Manchester, and then there was a, an office in London. But in in Manchester, it was two girls and a guy, uh, mm-hmm. primarily. So um, yeah, I think I think opportunities. I think opportunities are there for anybody, no, no matter whether you're male or female. You, you have to make it happen. I think more and more women in football women in sport are becoming more and more prominent and we're getting more respect I think people realize we know what we're talking about I think people realize we've got our own skills that are important to the game to to the content that's produced around the game and I just I just don't think it matters whether you're male or female if if you're good at your job you know you should be given the opportunity to to do it but yeah it's great I love working with the girls I, I'm really lucky actually I would say the one thing about United some of my closest friends I've made at United mm. um and it's a really good group of girls like we're still all really good mates uh, quite a lot of them have left me um oh, no. a, couple of, a couple of us left well to be fair they've moved on they've done really well at United and then a few of them have gone to different clubs ones at Everton ones at Liverpool wasn't okay. very happy when she told when she yeah, told me that. Yeah, I was going to say you still friends. My, well, yeah, one of my closest friends um has gone to City. Um, oh God! So, but yeah, we we have we have a bit of a laugh and a joke. She is a Southampton fan, so um, <laughs> we'll let her off. But yeah, I I think opportunities are there, and I think you know organisations like Women in Football, which mm. I'm a big big supporter of, I think I think they they do a great job in shouting about the the work that women do. You know, I, I think you've probably seen there's there's more there's more of us, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I think in some ways you can also you can use it to your advantage in the sense of sometimes I find you can be in a mix zone after a match and you stand out because there might only be two or three women in there. So the players will spot you straight away. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, you can use it to your advantage in, in that sense and players or people you deal with in the industry will remember you because, you know, they're dealing with lots of sort of male reporters or whatever a lot of the time, but they have a good interview with you or a good experience. And, you know, I, I, I think, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's improved massively. What would you say has been your biggest challenge over the last 20 years or so? I think just always challenging myself. I think I'm probably my, I probably, I probably give myself the biggest challenge to be fair. I'm probably my biggest critic and I never, I'm not, I'm never good at resting on my laurels, which I think is a good thing, but I've tried to be better enjoying and taking pride in stuff that I've done a bit more rather than moving straight on to the next thinking thing and think, right, how can I top that? Sir Alex always said this, like you'd win a trophy and then you'd be automatically thinking about the next one. I think you've also got to savour what you do and you've got to, you know, you, you've got to be proud of what you do and think mm-hmm. we've achieved that. 
as a team, as in the media team. And then, yeah, then you've got to set yourself another challenge. I, I, I think that's probably been the biggest challenge is that, like I said earlier, when you start at the top, if you like, or in your dream job, where do you go? Oh, there's mm-hmm. loads of places you can go because you've got to keep maintaining that high level. So, yeah, that's probably been the biggest challenge. Any challenges that I've faced, they're sort of non-specific. I mean, don't get me wrong, you might have a challenge every week or something might come up, but you just find a way to deal with it. I, I'm not I'm not a very flappable person, and I'm not that person who's trying to find someone to blame if something goes wrong. It's like, well, how can we fix it? How can we move forward? Yeah. And how can we do it better next time? You know, I think you always have to have that attitude. of You need to keep in that lounge, keep coming up with those ideas, Gemma. <laughs> um, look, for people that perhaps would, because this is like dream job territory for a lot of people, they would love yeah. to be able to do the things you do and around the things you do yes it's absolutely hard work there is no guarantee about that what sort of simple skill set can people have to get started on this career path because as you said the amount of people that are going to turn up at you know Manchester United these top football clubs is small it's very remote like it doesn't just happen like that so what can people do to get going at sort of the grassroots level of this job I think what I kept doing was for me I I just I just kept writing and I I, you know the way things have evolved now you know whether you can have your own blog um, whether you can just be recording your own podcast like this or you know just interviewing different people no matter who it is just on a topic but just showcasing what you can do of course when I was starting out pretty much what I wanted to do was sport was be a sports journalist and there wasn't a lot of technology that we had really then so it was I would just be writing constantly and I look back now at some stuff that I've written and think wow that is so bad (laughs) (laughs) at the time I thought it was amazing Uh, even that the report I wrote for the competition it's like could I have could I have got any more cliches into the report if I'd have tried but you know it was I'm proud of it because it's Mm. changed my life and it you know at that point it was it was the the best the best work that I could have done so I, th- I think just always try and improve yourself. It's a bit like I've been lucky. I've, I've written 10 books now. I've co-written 10 books now on United. And I even look back at where I started with those. Hang on, can thought, we just appreciate you've written 10? You just casually <laughs> throw that out there. You've written oh, 10 wow. books. That is phenomenal. The majority of them are sort of the kids' annual book. But I'd, I've written two big books, which was the, the player's diary of the 07-08 season when we won the Champions League and Premier League, which was incredible to write. Mm. And then I did a behind-the-scenes book with one of my colleagues, which was amazing as well um yeah so and that was always a dream of mine as well I'd kind of had three dreams I wanted to work at United interview at Cantona and write a book on United so managed to do all those but well you didn't just I write was... a book you published a book you're now best friends with Eric Cantona <laughs> and you're smashing life at United and I'm sure they couldn't live without you so I think I in terms of a checkbox I think you've surpassed anything that perhaps your childhood dreams could have been yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I think, I think just yeah, just have initiative. Um, it sounds these things sound really obvious, but they're obvious because they work. You know, have initiative, contact people, keep in contact with people, build relationships, and just believe in yourself. Where people will give you help, take it. Mm. You know, don't think that you, you know everything, or you might know something on on a certain topic or a certain way to do something. If someone can help you you know, grab onto that help and just honestly be nice. That, that's, the, that's the one thing. And I know, do you know, a lot of people have said that in this podcast. I think sometimes people are looking for bigger things than that. People must be like, no, but there must be something else that you do to get into this. And it's like, it's not, it's networking, it's talking, Network. it's being nice, it's showing initiative. It kind of really is just those simple tools. 
And, you know, you might start off. I remember one of the first jobs I did for MUTV was I went to do a report on a cardboard cutout of Yap Stamp at a sports shop. I did a <laughs> report on a cardboard cutout. It was absolutely <laughs> I loved it. It was like, brilliant. And I, it was me voicing, a, you know, like in, a news report on a, on a VT. I'd never done that before. Yeah, it was on a cardboard cutout. But I learned a lot from doing that. And then, yeah, then you get to do, you know, the shoot with James Corden, which... Mm. You know, it, it. You have to, and even now, still, I'll still go and do fan interviews, and still do. It's. It, it's not that you'd ever not. Oh well, I'll only do an interview with with Zlatan, or I'll only interview Bruno. It's not that at all. Every part of your job, you can learn something. I think that's the key thing. I've been at United seventeen years full time. I literally learn something new every day. Never stop so, learning. That's a really good one, actually, isn't it? Never stop learning. I think also social media is a quite important one with this. Follow these people on Twitter. Like, yeah. like for people, obviously people won't know this, but I followed you, Gemma, on Twitter because I've been a United <laughs> fan for years and I followed you on Twitter and I was reading all your blogs you were putting out. So when I was doing this podcast and I wanted to find loads of different women that worked in sport, I mean, it's the same for me. Essentially, you and I did not know each other and I thought I really want to get Gemma Thompson on this podcast. And I thought, I have no idea how I do this because we didn't know each other. So it's about finding the ways to do this. I think if you like want something like enough, you find the way, don't you? You do, definitely. Just to make you yeah. go bright red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for, for finding me on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, and I think I honestly think, like, just think, just believe that you, anything is possible because mm. I literally, I didn't know anyone in football. I didn't know anyone in media. Hard work is obvious, It's so important. It really is. Mm. It's the most obvious thing to say about any job, but it really is with, with ours, I think. Mm. And, I th- the, you know, Hard work is that a little bit easier when you love what you do. What does it say? Find something that you love and you never have to work a day in your life. Isn't that what they say? I know. Um, Okay, we are going to finish this off now. This is the last game that we are going to play. It is called How Well Do You Know Yourself? Oh, no. Okay, so all the answers to these questions I found on your social media. So you've posted about them. You've done everything. So hopefully... Have I told you about my terrible memory? (laughs) (laughs) We're about to find out. Um, So we're going to do 45 seconds on the clock. Here we go in three, two, one. Where did you go on pre-season tour with United in 2016? China. Oh, well done. How old were you when you first joined United on work experience? Oh, God, I don't know if it was 14 or 15. 15? We'll take that. We'll take either. Um, Who did you interview for MUTV when his book came out, Suddenly a Footballer? Oh, my favourite one. You took a photo which you describe as the best one you've ever taken at the Parc de Prince. There were three men in that photo. Which three? It is the greatest photo I've ever taken and ever will take. Uh, Eric, Sir Alex and Ollie. Boom. On pre-season tour in 2018 in LA, you were reunited with which ex-United striker? Oh, Zlatan. Yes, time is up, but we're going to carry on because this is fun. For International Women's Day 2020, you brought together the Manchester United women's team and which London musical theatre show... Mummy. Yes, you did indeed. Manchester United last won the FA Cup back in 2016. How many times, including that day, have they won it? Oh, God. 11? Ooh. The 12? Yes, that's the one. Who did they play that day in 2016? Crystal Palace. And what was the score? 2-1. Yes, and a great memory. And who were you informally interviewing when Juan Mata fell off the paddleboard in LA in the shot behind? Scott McTominay. You were. Yes, it was. Brilliant, that. 
stuff like honestly when i was going through that i was like you have done some fun stuff with a lot of fun people out of what did we get there 10 that's impressive so total oh god 25 yes Gemma I think you are it is very good I think our top score is 26 so you are just in second but honestly I'm impressed with that really really impressed well done um, I thought you were going to bring up the moonwalk that I did out of um when for all these years I've known there's a camera around and mm -hmm. we were filming with Juan and Dominic Monaghan um he's a good friend of ours from Lord of the Rings and Lost and I just walked right into the middle of the shop and decided to moonwalk off. Like, <laughs> keep walking. No, just moonwalk off. So. You were like, I'm going to style this one out. Yeah. So, so see, I didn't need to mention it because you just did. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, Gem, finally, just to wrap this up, we're asking every guest who comes on this podcast um, to finish a sentence. It can be as many words as you want. Long, short, no right, no wrong answer. It's just what it means to you. I am just going to say the words women in sport are the best. Short and sweet. It's all it needs sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> no, I just think it's, a, do you know what? That's so great. It's a really exciting time. We want more women working within sport. We just want to prove that the opportunities are there for them. Um, and hopefully, you know, more women can, can keep grasping them and keep being given, given, given the chance to, you know, to show off their skills. Absolutely. Well, Gem, thank you so, so much, Gemma, for coming on this podcast. Honestly, your stories have been brilliant. Yeah. No, you thanks for having me. are just a fantastic role model and an example and working at the biggest club in the world. There you go. Well. Thank you very much, Gemma Thompson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Outside the Box with me, Becky Eyes. Now make sure you subscribe, share far and wide, and please feel free to leave me a review. Let's keep this conversation going as well on social media using the hashtag Outside the Box Pod. Now that was the final episode of Series 1, but in the meantime, feel free to get in touch with any comments or questions. You can always drop me a shout at Becky underscore Ives underscore on Twitter or at Becky Ives official on Instagram. Thank you so much and I will catch you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.